Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. David, who earlier tonight scored his 30th one-timer club bomb, rebound, score, Milan Lucic with his third career hat-trick, and it's unnatural, Hattie. He'll swing it out to the outside, and it is to the end zone, touchdown Eskimos, Darrell Walker with the touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, hey folks, how are you doing? Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6.30 Chad. The Oilers practicing today without Cam Talbot, head coach Todd McClellan calling it an upper body tweak. He was getting evaluated today. We'll see tomorrow if he's able to go against Toronto. Your Oilers update for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. You'll hear a little bit more from Todd McClellan later on. Also Zach Cassian and uh, we'll get some Leafs perspective from Chris Johnston from Sportsnet.ca. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can text 630-630. The open line 780-496-0063. NHL action underway tonight. The Senators lead the Canadians 1-0 in the first period. Mark Stone gets his 14th of the year. Boston up 1-0 on Tampa. That's just past the halfway point of the first. Later on tonight, Ducks at Blues, and the Jets will meet the Avalanche. Going to kick it off tonight with some football, and the only guy ever to be the starting quarterback for four Grey Cup victories. I'm pleased to welcome back to the 630 Jet Airwaves from the Toronto Argos, Ricky Ray. Ricky, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's been a great, great few days for me and uh, still trying to enjoy it as much as I can. Well, good for you. And Ricky, I, I got to say, you made a lot of Eskimos fans happy because uh, a lot of people in this part of the country still pull for you. And it never hurts when you beat Calgary either, as you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly true. Uh, you know, it's kind of a win-win for for some Edmonton fans. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just got a lot of support. Um you know, even from, you know, just being around Grey Cup Week, seeing some of the guys wearing, you know, the the, the Eskimo colors still coming up to me and, and wishing me good luck in the game. So it definitely means a lot. Ricky, I've I, I got to ask you a few details about the game because it was kind of a, a crazy afternoon. First of all, and I know you've played in all kinds of weather, but when it actually, like, when you realize, like, okay, there, it, we're going to be dealing with snow here, did that did that change your preparation or your mindset at all going out onto the field? No, I really didn't. You know, I, I, I try and wait till you know, I get out there and pregame and throw it around and see kind of how it's, how it's affecting you. And um, I felt like I was, you know, the grip was good on the ball and, um, you know, there wasn't really any wind and uh, the ball was traveling pretty good. So 
Um, I really didn't have any issues with, with throwing the football. It was more um, just how the field was going to change throughout the game. And, uh, you know, I really didn't have any issues with that either. So um, the hardest thing I found was just, just kind of in that first first quarter and first half, just the awareness, um, you know, just being being able to track all the guys, just with the snow coming down and the lighting of the game. It just took, took a little bit to uh, just get my awareness, uh, you know, for the game. You know, I, I got to ask you about a couple things at the end of the game because there are some plays there that I think 50, 100 years from now are still going to be played <laughs> as great moments in, in Grey yeah. Cup history. So you're on the sideline. Calgary's marching down the field. They're in a position to go up by, by two scores. And then Jordan fumbles and Vaughn runs it all the way back for the touchdown. I mean, in that moment, what are you what are you what are you experiencing when you see that fumble run all the way back yeah i mean just kind of you know watching them you know driving down the field and and getting down there close um you know i was just just thinking you know hopefully we can hold them to a field goal or you know maybe even you know they'll miss the field goal or something um i knew it was going to be tough you know with, with calgary you know being down two scores um and then the play happened i mean just uh kind of watching it unfold you know i kind of didn't want to start celebrating until you know he made it all the way to the end zone and there were no flags and just just wanted to to make sure you know that the play went through and then once it did um just erupted i mean it gave our sideline so much life and um you know obviously changed the game and you know was was a play that that changed our lives forever and then obviously you still have to get the two point convert, and and you still have to take another drive down to to score points. And you guys got the field goal to to go ahead. I I, I don't want to uh, undermine what you and the offense did, but I'm asking you more questions about the defense. I guess, but uh, when then then they have another chance to possibly tie it, and you guys making the interception to win it. But I mean, is your mindset at that point preparing for uh, for overtime more than any anything else when they're on their final drive? Yeah, I mean, basically, um, you know, when we when we had our final drive and we got in the field goal range and then we, we kicked the field goal, I was like, man, you know, uh, you know, Bo's a great quarterback and he's got got some time there, you know, to make some things happen. And uh, but you know, I mean, I obviously believed in our defense that we could we could make a play and um, you know, just yeah, I mean, but you always got to prepare for you know what the worst possible scenario is and um, you know, just trying to get ready for you know it could be an overtime game. And just kind of getting your mind right for that situation, and then see see that ball go up in the air, and then and, and Matt Black running over there and, and making the interception. I mean, just uh, what an unbelievable feeling to know that you know you just won fifth Grey Cup. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Ricky Ray joining us on Inside Sports. Ricky, at one point this season, you guys were four and seven, and you know, forget about winning a championship. But at that point, you're fighting to make the playoffs. So you wind up nine and nine. So you have a pretty good run to end the year, and then obviously you win your two postseason games. But I mean, at four and seven, um, you know, talk to me a little bit about the the belief in the locker room, where you guys were at, maybe who or what kept kept it focused and allowed you to have a successful finish. Yeah, I mean, basically, um, you know, we were we were it felt like all year long we were kind of taking a step forward and then two steps back, and we just really weren't getting the results that we wanted and um you know realistically we just we just needed to make more improvement i mean we were playing good football but we weren't playing good enough and uh you know the coaches showed us the, the way you know they um 
you know, kept coaching us, kept uh, getting us to improve, and finally things started to pay off for us late in the season. And, uh, you know, that that gets contagious. Once you kind of find, you know, how to find out how to win football games, um, you know, it just, just becomes contagious, and we're able to, to win a lot of close ones coming down the stretch and put ourselves in position, you know, to win the East. And then, um, you know, going in all the way across the country, you know, week 18, playing in bc you know late at night and uh, for us to be able to go out there and get a huge win and, and uh you know get that first round by was was big for us and then uh we you know what happened in the playoffs just uh winning those close games and, you know just we just developed that you know coach talks about develop that backbone um you know to where you can get into the fourth quarter and you know you have the confidence that you can go out there and win the football game and that's what carried us through the playoffs well, I'm glad you mentioned your coach because Mark Dressman has been an incredibly successful CFL head coach. Uh, I, I mean, after Montreal, he went to the NFL for a few years. And, and look, I, I don't know him. I, I think I've interviewed him once or twice. He always comes across as just very controlled and, and measured. And he kind of, I've always thought, carries himself with a degree of class or almost dignity. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how this sounds. You, you're listening to it about a guy you, you deal with on a daily basis. But describe Mark's effect on you and the team. Yeah, I mean, it's been unbelievable this year. Um just to be able to to learn from from Coach Tressman and uh, you know be be on this journey with him. I mean he's um, he just does a great job of, of just keeping us focused every week and then and, and you know focused on what really matters. You know the team and trying to improve and uh, you know always thinking about everything. I mean nothing nothing is unthought of. I mean and as a player it's it's so fun to play in, in that situation because. You feel like everything is planned out, everything's under control, and you just got to go out there as a player and play. And um, it's been been so much fun playing for him this year, and uh, just just with his philosophy and all the things that he does for you. And you know, and it's more about than just being a football player. I mean, he you know he makes it um, relatable to you know how you are as a person, you know, outside of football as well, and, and being a good teammate, being a you know a good family member, a good, good husband, or you know, and all those sorts of things. So. I think guys had a lot of fun playing for him this year. Ricky Ray joining us on Inside Sports, Toronto Argos quarterback, four-time Great Cup champion. I got to ask you this, Ricky: Are you in touch with anybody from the Fresno frenzy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, really, the last guy that I am is, is uh, Rick Warman, the, the coach there. And uh, yeah, I mean that's it's been a long journey from from that team, and uh, you know, finding myself in, in Canada, and then you know 15 years later to to be where i'm at i mean it's it's meant so much to me in my life you know obviously it's been my life um you know for the last 15 years and uh man i'm, I'm so grateful for for the canadian football league i know you you've been doing other media today and uh, i was i was listening to a, a scrum you did uh where you, you you were asked if you're seriously considering retirement and, and you said yes do you have a, a timeline for that, and what's going into that decision for you, Ricky? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I kind of went through a similar process last year on, you know, trying to make a decision on, you know, what what I wanted to do, and uh, I, uh, you know, basically, I knew last year, you know, within within a month of the the season ending, that um, I wanted to come back and play. So I'm hoping, you know, that decision will be be just as quick this year, and. Um, you know, I just got to sit down and, and, and ask myself, you know, do I, do I want to come back and play next year? And, and, 
we'll see we'll see what the answer is and um you know it's i'm going to take a lot of it you know a lot of what happened this year into consideration and you know how i'm feeling if i feel like i can keep going and still still be able to perform out there and um and then it's just going to come down to to what my gut's telling me and um you know hopefully i can i can roll with whatever whatever it is telling me do you have um do you already have goals or ambitions for life after football, like coaching? Are, are you going to sit on the couch and watch Netflix for a year when you're done? Like, like have you thought of like, is there is there stuff you feel like okay, this is next on on my list where I want to take my life? Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've thought about it. I mean, I've never really. I've always just been so focused in on uh, you know trying to be the best football player that I can. But um, I mean, obviously the the one that you know, is most intriguing is staying in football and, and trying to get into coaching and, you know, be around, you know, what I've been around for since I was eight years old is, is you know, sports. So um, that will probably be the, the path that I will choose. And I mean, to be honest, it'd be great to take a year off and, you know, spend time with my family and just take a little breather and then you know, hopefully have an opportunity to get back into it if that's the decision that I that I make. All right, so so one more for you. You mentioned you know football's been been your life since you were eight years old. Do you remember the first game of quarterback in an organized game you ever played? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't remember it specifically. Um, I just remember being eight, uh, you know, playing Pop Warner for the first time, and you know there was an older kid playing quarterback. So um, we used to do this thing called the fifth quarter <laughs> when all the the you know extra kids got to play, and that's when I got to play quarterback and. Um, it was just so much fun, you know. I, uh, my older brother, you know, was a few years older than me, played quarterback. So, um, you know, I wanted to be just like him and, and be able to go out there and throw the football around. And um, just remember having a lot of fun doing that, you know, being a young kid. And you know, here I am, <laughs> I think thirty years later, still doing it. So I've been pretty lucky. Ricky, thank you so much for talking to us here on, on 6.30. Chad, uh, again, you know, Eskimos fans were thrilled to see you pull out that game, and you're welcome on the show anytime. Thank you so much for coming on. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. That is Ricky Ray, four-time Grey Cup champion, the dramatic victory against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the East Final. Remember, they converted a third down on their final drive with Ray throwing a great touch pass to James Wilder. And then, yes, the Toronto defense, a big part of that win on Sunday, but Ray taking them down for the winning field goal. And don't forget the great job he meant keeping the two-point convert alive that tied the game at 24. Awesome to have Ricky on the show. Uh, I know a lot of you texting in. Way to go, Ricky. <laughs> he won it. Toronto lost it. We'll get to uh, a couple of your questions about Ray's future. I think it sounds like he's going to retire, but a couple of you throwing out some other possibilities. And Chris Johnston from Sportsnet, all ahead, Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Kellen Kennedy with a little Knights in Satan service on the old turntable. Isn't that what people thought KISS stood for? It actually stands for nothing. It's just KISS. It's just KISS, yeah. But they were so rowdy. This song came... The, the uh, more the, prudish among us thought they must be serving the Dark Lord. Yeah, this song came at the time, don't forget, Reed, when they actually took the face paint off and they were just another hairband. Oh, was that a non-face paint song? Yes, it was. I didn't realize that. 
That was that what their first single without the face paint? Uh, I'll have to look and see, but it does come from that era. You know a yes. lot about Kiss for a guy who was born well after their peak. I'm proud of you, buddy. I, I, better music. I can't handle the. What is that? That's is like that a techno modem? or something like that. <laughs> you know my imitation of techno. You don't or, like the modern music. Yeah. All right. Trip hop or whatever they call it. That's Kellen Kennedy, the studio <laughs> producer, working hard on the other side of the window tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. I really appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. Hope you had a great day. Uh, so here's the thing. People are like, well, what is Rick? ask Ricky if he's going to come to Edmonton. Ask Ricky if he'll come be Riley's backup. One more year. Let's trade James Franklin for Ricky Ray. First of all, it really sounds like he's going to retire this time. I mean, if you if you heard that interview and some of the comments he made earlier today to the Toronto media, it sounds like he's he's going to retire. I would I wouldn't expect if there is an announce. I wouldn't be surprised. I should say if there is an announcement before the the end of the year, right? So uh, Ricky might be done. What a way to go out! I mean, he is a he is a free agent. I mean, I guess he could sign for for a year or two. I know, I know, quarterbacks play, especially the good quarterbacks play into their late thirties and early forties. He's thirty eight. To me, it it sounds like he's going to retire. Now, it kind of sounded like that last year too, um, but he, I think he wanted one more kick at it with with Mark Tressman and a better organized team. So he got it and he won it. If he doesn't retire. I don't think he wants to spend his final year or two standing on the bench most of the time. I mean, Ricky Ray is not... Is, I mean, why would he want to be Mike... Uh, like, I'm not trying to be sarcastic, guys, but why would he want to be Mike Riley's backup? He was just nominated for Most Outstanding Player. So, in other words, the way the voting went this year, Mike Riley's the best player in the league. Ricky Ray is the second best player in the league. So it's not like he has to have a backup to hang on and have a football job at the end of his career. So I, I, I look, that's I know that's a romantic notion. I know here's here's the thing, Ray Ricky Ray, especially this week, might be the most popular athlete in Edmonton who doesn't play for an Edmonton team, <laughs> especially this week and maybe maybe year round. He might be the most popular athlete in Edmonton who doesn't play for the Oilers or the Eskimos or, or maybe one of the other teams. But I, I, I don't think he says, so, hey, I just won the Grey Cup, so now I'm going to go back to Edmonton just to be a backup. And let's let's be honest here. It's been six years since he left Edmonton. I mean, he's as much a Torontonian uh, as an Edmontonian when it, when it comes to his ties to Canada. But it was great to have him on the show. Chris Johnston will help us tee up the Leafs and the Oilers. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Back after the news. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, there's the MOP. 2015 Grey Cup champion. Just had 2017 Grey Cup champion Ricky Ray on the show. Hockey tonight. Here's what's going on. Bruins now up 2-0 on the Lightning. Wow, the shots are 19-5 for Boston. McAvoy and Nash have scored. The Senators won nothing over the Canadians after the first. Mark Stone has his 14th of the season, came shorthanded. Ducks and Blues at the top of the hour, and then in about an hour, the Jets will play the Avalanche. Of course, the Oilers and the Maple Leafs tomorrow, always a much-anticipated game, always a, a fun game to attend at Rogers Place. You know, this is going to be Connor McDavid for the Oilers, 
Austin Matthews for the Maple Leafs, and Todd McClellan, after last year's World Cup, became the only guy to coach both of them on the same team. First of all, it was an honor to, to coach both of them at the same time. Um, remarkable athletes. And, uh, you know, what I would say about both of them is that they're competitive spirit their fire to be uh, elite their uh, their competitive spirit and their fire to be elite um, is is exceptional and I think that uh, that we knew Connor obviously um, had that in him and, and Austin in that short month uh, that we had him there you could see it just oozing out of him and, and he wanted to play as, as one of the top guys. What was interesting about him is he started as the extra forward in our opinion. Uh, nobody really knew him and uh, by the time we were into the tournament he was playing with Shifley and McDavid on the top line so that tells you a lot about how quick he can have an impact on, uh, on a coaching staff or a, uh, a group of young players, and he, he, both of them have that spirit. They both want to be the best. They make other players better. Pretty good clip there from Todd McClellan, and we wouldn't have that great piece of audio if the question hadn't been asked by Chris Johnson of Sportsnet. Chris, welcome back to Inside Sports. You're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm well, Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's been far too long since we've had you on the show, so so thanks for uh, thanks for reconnecting. Appropriate to introduce you as the pride of Coburg, Ontario, or would that be a stretch? It, it might be a stretch at this point. I mean, certainly uh, being a small town, uh, you know, about an hour or so from Toronto, uh, you know, I guess people would notice me. I get some time on TV and all that, but uh, I grew up with Justin Williams, who's brought the Stanley Cup back to Coburg three different times, so. You know, I think that he's rightly earned uh, that moniker. You know, if we're going to assign it to anybody. All right. Well, that's now. Would have you uh, played hockey with or against him? Was there any crossover there? Yeah, there was actually. Justin and I are only two weeks apart in age. So um, when, when we were really young, uh, we played against each other, and, and he is probably won't surprise anyone. Was by far the best player on the ice. Uh, you know, would would score seven goals a game type of thing in our in our town and. You know, eventually he moved out of town and then uh, played AAA hockey and you know moved on to the Ontario Hockey League and you know made the NHL as an 18-year-old and you know somehow all these years later he's, he's 36 and you know still scoring at a pretty good clip uh, this season for the Carolina Hurricanes. So uh, it's been uh, pretty funny to, to to know him for that long and now have our careers occasionally overlap. Uh, you know when I've covered him in the Stanley Cup Final or been around uh, you know the teams he's played for and. You know, we always uh, share a good chuckle about being from the same little small place. And every once in a while, also, I hear from his parents, who uh, who are Leafs fans when they're not uh, cheering for Justin team. Well, I, I love that you, that you that you bring up the the small town upbringing. That uh, that's pretty cool. Though a small town in Ontario is bigger than what we consider a small town in Alberta. But still, you were you were in a big uh, metro area. But but I love and I mean I I love finding out where people came from and what drove them. I mean, I, just, I had Ricky Ray on, on the last hour, and I asked him if he ever yep. remembered his first game of uh, quarterback, and, and he's talked about a little story when he was eight years old. By the way, Chris, I'm sorry you got to follow Ricky Ray. Of all the nights, you got you got to come <laughs> on. But... <laughs> But uh, sharing spot with greatness, that's okay. Yeah, I don't know if you saw my tweet. I put, I'm going to have four-time Grey Cup champ Ricky Ray on and then zero-time Grey Cup champ Chris Johnston. But uh, <laughs> I missed that one. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you'd get a laugh out of it. But so, you, so you're growing up in, in Coburg, Ontario. Like, was the, uh, um, so I don't know if you thought you were going to play in the NHL or were you always wanting to be co- somehow covering it? What was the, what was the ambition for you? Well, I was, 
a strangely realistic kid, and I actually wasn't a, a bad hockey player in the context of the town I was in, but you know, I always started dreaming after being a hockey writer. When I was about five or six years old, I started saying that, and, and for, for whatever reason, I never you know, moved on to a second or third career, you know, as most kids you know, go through various things that they want to, to do. And, you know, we, we had the newspaper, and when I was growing up, always in the house, and every morning I, I would read it. You know, my, my parents were both. Uh, avid news followers and you know i loved hockey more than anything right from the beginning so you know i wanted a spot in the hockey world but i think somewhere deep down uh, i i knew pretty early on that that i wouldn't be capable of of playing for one i was gonna have to find my own way uh, to get close to the nhl and you i mean when you and i first met you were doing canadian press stuff right and were you were you doing a lot of winter olympic sports uh, on like outside of hockey as well or am i or am i misremembering some of the stuff you're we talked misremembering about? a bit i did cover a fair bit of golf uh, okay. Back when I worked at the Canadian Press as well, which is you know other sport I like, um, but you know at, at first you know because the hockey beat in, in any market in Canada is, is the more sought after one. Sometimes you do have to cover some other uh, things, you know, when, when you're still learning the trust of your employers and all that. But you know I've been pretty exclusively hockey for for about ten, uh, twelve years now, uh, and you know very fortunate to, in a in a ever evolving media world that I'm still able to make a living, uh, you know, watching you know, people perform fun and games. It's, a really great life. Well, nothing wrong with uh, covering golf if you got to travel a little bit, but uh, <laughs> well, I like having the summer off better. That's the only thing. I like watching it from my from my couch or in, in the backyard if the weather's nice enough right. I'm on the patio. So, you know, I, I I'm with you. It's uh, it's it's a good sport. I mean, it's, it's totally different. What I what I found interesting is just the, the different sort of mindset of the athletes. I mean, we know that hockey, just by its nature, is such a team game. Uh, you know, the, everyone's very careful what they say when assessing performance, not wanting to upset teammates or, or say something that could be uh, construed as throwing somebody out of the bus, and the golfer can let it all air out because, you know, other than the caddy who's paid to, to carry the golf clubs around, you know, they don't really have teammates. And I just find the, the individual nature of that sport versus, you know, hockey, which I spent time with, you know, kind of led to different interview situations and, and a little bit more honesty at times, frankly, especially uh, in times when things weren't going well. So okay, I got to ask you this though. I mean, we were talking about having Ricky on. What, what did you think of the Markway McDaniel uh, Grey Cup post game interview? That, that was a shocker to me. Yeah, I wouldn't expect to see that, even in the emotion of that kind of loss. You know, let's face it, that uh, was obviously a terrible loss for the Stampeders to go through. Anyone watching that game uh, would, would have thought they had it in the bag, and so you wouldn't you wouldn't expect uh, you know someone to come out and throw their teammate uh, to the wolves that way. But I guess. Uh, you never know what uh, someone might say. That's why we still go in there with our recording devices and ask the questions. Chris Johnson from Sportsnet joining us inside sports on 630 Chet. He's in town with the Maple Leafs, Toronto and Edmonton tomorrow at Rogers Place. Okay, Chris, uh, th- this should be a fun one. Uh, I mean, it's it's always great, two Canadian teams. There's always uh, there's always the chanting. Both teams uh, went into this season with a lot of expectations. The Oilers have not lived up to it yet. I'm still optimistic enough to say uh, yet. The Leafs are, are, are right up there near the top of the league. How have they been able to uh, meet and maybe even exceed expectations so far? Well, they've had some some things bounce in their favor. They, you know, they've been a healthy team to start the year. Uh, only eight total man games lost injury at this point. You know, four of those were Austin Matthews. Uh, the first games he missed with an injury yeah, since he came to the NHL. But I think being healthy and being as deep uh, in the forward ranks has, has really benefited them. You know, they, they, they moved their lines around a whole bunch, but basically, on you know, among their top three lines, they have someone on pace to score 30 or 40 goals on each of them. 
so you know that's that's tough for for most teams to match up against. You know what we saw last night in Calgary for the Leafs, I thought was you know Calgary's you know got pretty good top two lines, but uh, the Leafs were able to, to beat them in the margins by having you know a little bit more depth down their lineup, and you know it certainly hasn't helped uh, here in the last month or so that Frederick Anderson uh, has has been standing on his head after a bit of a slow start to the year. And, you know, in looking at the Oilers from afar, I just can't help but think. Uh, that some of the struggles have, are due in part to Cam Talbot uh, not playing up to the same level he's been at uh, last season when, when things went a lot better for the Oil. Yeah, well, I think he's now 9:03 after the, the win last night. And Peter Shirelli was uh, honest about that yesterday. We're saying, you know, you're not going to have a winning team with 9:03 goaltending. Uh, Talbot has looked good his last three starts. If people missed it off the top, he didn't practice today. Status unknown for tomorrow. So we'll have to see what comes out of the uh, the morning skate. Chris, uh, what is it like dealing with Mike Babcock? He's the best from my perspective, just for the, the repartee back and forth. Uh, you know, just purely from the media standpoint, every day he, he keeps it pretty quick. Uh, he's very direct with his answers. Uh, you know, I, I find him entertaining. Uh, I, I, you never feel like he's holding back too much. I mean, uh, there's certainly times I guess he'll he'll disguise. You know, he, he hates talking about injuries. That that's one issue that you can't get much information from him on. But you know, I, I find him colorful, entertaining, and, and you know, helps people like me do my job on a daily basis just because. He's pretty forthright with with what he's thinking about the team or the state of the league or whatever it is we might be asking about it. And, and look, he's he's an intense guy, even in those media availabilities. And you know, there's there's times when he'll come back at a reporter or, or he'll, he'll he'll maybe be a bit curt if if he doesn't like the tone of a question or the way it came out or was asked. But you know, I, I do have to say, you know, all things considered, I find him to be very fair. And uh, you know, he gives us his best for that short time that he's standing in front of the cameras and microphones. All right. Well, it's going to be fun tomorrow night. Uh, the Oilers, I, I, this is still hard to believe, the Oilers for the first time all season trying to win three games in a row. The Leafs will be trying to sweep through Alberta after winning 4-1 in Calgary last night. Chris, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for sharing some of your uh, memories and, and, and your path to the job you're at now. I'll see you at the rake tomorrow morning, man. Sounds good, Reed. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's, it's days like tomorrow that I'm, I still live for in this job with being in a passionate Canadian market, two teams, uh, should be a fun game. Absolutely. That is Chris Johnston checking in tonight, writer for Sportsnet.ca. He's been joining us for several years here on Inside Sports. Always fun to talk to him. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see which Oilers we get tomorrow night. Uh, (laughs) You know, solid game in Detroit, bad game in Buffalo, solid game in Boston. Last night, to me, one of the games where you'd say they they figured it out. You, uh, you know, as McClellan has told us in the past, you got sixty, sometimes sixty-five minutes, sometimes sixty-five minutes plus penalty shots to try to win it. They used uh, what was it, sixty-four and a third minutes before Nugent Hopkins scored. Talbot came up big. The Oilers pretty much, even today, sticking to the refrain that the slow start yesterday, due to some uh, plane legs being back. After a long road trip, not skating on Monday, and that once they got going in that game, they felt pretty good. They're going to need to be very good tomorrow against the Leafs, who lead the National Hockey League in goals for. You'll hear from Zach Cassian, who finally snapped his scoring slump. That's when we get back. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. The 
this is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. the news of the day out of Oilers practice he did not practice this morning Kenny Cameron from the U of A Golden Bears filling in as the goaltender so Talbot with an upper body tweak got looked at today and uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow now Yessi Pugliarvi was taking turns on the Oilers line with McDavid and Lucic Camilleri was also uh, going through the run there but I would think they would they would love to see Pugliarvi there Camilleri uh, a pretty quiet game for him last night and the Oilers did uh, move the lines around quite a bit especially in the third period but here here's the thing if if Talbot can't play tomorrow they got to call up a goalie from the farm which means uh, I mean I don't I don't think Talbot's hurt bad enough they'd put him on injured reserve so then you'd have to send somebody down and that would have to be Slepeshev or Pugliarvi since they can be sent down without uh, without having to clear waivers so the lines we saw today, you got to put a big if next to them because it depends on uh, Talbot's health. But I wouldn't mind seeing Pugliarvi get back in the lineup. I wouldn't mind seeing him with, uh, with McDavid and Lucic and seeing what they can do. Oilers and Maple Leafs tomorrow. Furnace Family Oilers Hockey. Edmonton's Furnace Family Replacement. Uh, Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. What we will do is we will have the face-off show at 5.30 and the game will start at 7. And then the Oilers at Calgary on Saturday night. 6.30 face-off show. 8 o'clock for the start of the game. So uh, two Canadian rivals here coming up for your Edmonton Oilers. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. You know, Zach Cassian. Oilers expecting some offense from him. Maybe 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 goals. Somewhere in that range. Finally got his first last night. And now step on with a turnover. Here's Latestu to Cassian for a breakaway. Rich shot score! Zach Cassian's first goal of the year! What was the uh, exact size of the gorilla that was on your back leading up to your first goal? Uh, not the biggest I've had in my career. I think last year I went 26 or 27 games without one, so it's nice to get it before then. It does happen, obviously, and, and you've had some chances. Just tell me about that play uh, play breaking in, how it developed for you. Yeah, a little heads-up play by Testy. Ended up getting a, a breakaway yet again. I think I've had four or five, maybe even six this year, and um, saw the left side open, um, shot it, went in. You're fast. I've seen you get several breakaways since you became an Edmonton Oiler. Do you plan stuff? Do you have moves, or do you just go with the moment? Well, you... There's certain things you want to do if the goalie's deep in his net you probably want to shoot if the goalie's out you probably want to deke depends how the situation if there's a back checker on you where he is um there's a lot more to it than just going down and just shooting it every time you you need to see where the goalie is big goal for you guys uh last night did did you feel it almost to me it looked like you guys maybe got a little more engaged as the game went on is that fair or how did you see that one yeah, we got off to a little slow start, but coming off the the road uh, for 12 days or 11 days, wherever it was, uh, that that tends to happen. Uh, but we found our legs as the game went on, and uh, a win's a win. Um, there there was games last year where we didn't even deserve to get two points, and we did. And uh, through an 82-game season, um, those are going to happen. 
there are certain nights for me sitting way up top that are different when it's a original six team and or another Canadian team. When you play Toronto tomorrow, does it sound different down on the ice? No, there's it's definitely uh, a little more exciting. Every game's exciting, but um, the atmosphere in the building's better. Um, our team seems to feed off that stuff and um, where we are at in the standings and um, where we want to get to. It's an important game for us, so it's going to be a fun game to play and it's probably going to be emotional and um, there's fun games to be in. All right, there's uh, Zach Cassian. Nice breakaway goal for him. I loved how he broke down everything that's going through his mind on on a breakaway because you know a guy gets in there and he's he's looking up he's reading where the goalie is he's trying to feel how much pressure is coming behind him and Cassian coming through with a perfect shot last night Oilers scoring two of their three goals on breakaways of course Nugent Hopkins had the winner in overtime that was Nugent Hopkins fourth career game winning goal tied for fourth on the Oilers all-time list with uh, Leon Dreisaitl, who obviously had one earlier this year as well. Uh, and the Oilers have four overtime winners this season. Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Latestu. Todd McClellan was asked, with Leon Dreisaitl centering his own line, is he a different player when he's been moved away from Connor McDavid? I don't believe he does. Um, you know, he's stuck more in that center ice position. He is... Uh, uh, forced to play low in the defensive zone a little bit more than he does with Connor. Um, he is around the puck perhaps more when he plays in the middle because he wanders from, from side to side, yet I think he does that on that line. Um, you know, if I had my way, we wouldn't have right wing, left wing, and center. We'd just have three forwards and they just play. And, um, you know, perhaps. I don't know the history of the game that well, but um, somebody came up with it because there was a face-off and he was in the center of the rink. So, And then somebody on the left and somebody on the right. I think they just play forward. Uh, everybody has to be able to play down low. Everybody's interchangeable up front. Uh, the first guy on the forecheck isn't always your left winger. It isn't always your, your centerman. They're forwards, and that's how they play. It's interesting that he said that, and you've probably heard Rob Brown say it when we talk on Oilers game nights, that Connor McDavid listed as a center, especially if he's on a line with Leon Dreisaitl, Dreisaitl takes more of the face-offs. So who's really the center on the line? And once the game play actually starts, the forwards go where they need to go, usually based on the sequence in which they enter the zone or, or where the puck is. They don't necessarily just stay in lanes left and right. That was Todd McClellan. More on uh, the Oilers, of course, on 630Chet.com. You can get the full story on Peter Shirelli's comments from yesterday. The death by a thousand cuts quote getting a lot of play. I went on uh, Calgary Flames uh, radio today with my buddy Pat Steinberg and he asked me about that. Kevin Carius is going to drop in. We'll give you an NHL scoreboard. And uh, we'll also uh, talk uh, about a uh, local curling team going to the big Roar of the Rings in Ottawa. All ahead, Inside Sports on Chet. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.